0: You're listening to Struggle Berry Crunch with Terriana Mote.
1: Welcome to Struggle Berry Crunch, the best podcast to navigate your life and explore the flavor of your struggle. I'm your host, Terriana, and today we're going to be talking about the struggle of womanhood. Yeah, I know, right? Being a woman rocks, but sometimes it can be a struggle. And because of this struggle, I brought some reinforcements in. One of the best in the game who is helping women everywhere decrease that struggle through an amazing nonprofit called Helping Women, period. So let me introduce co-founder and executive director, Lizney Tate. How are hey, you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good as well. I'm so thankful that you're on today just to talk about your experiences and about this nonprofit that I'm so interested in getting the word out about. So, you're in Michigan, right? I am. Yep. Right in Lansing, right in the heart of Michigan. Nice. So, what exactly is Helping Women, period? And where did the idea come from?
0: Helping Women, period, is a nonprofit that provides free menstrual products to those experiencing homelessness and low income disparity. We've been around since 2015, and I always call us an accidental nonprofit because we really didn't mean to start a nonprofit. We were just going to raise some money and do a one-time event. (laughs) So my friend and I read this article in Huffington Post, I think, in January 2015 about the lack of menstrual products for homeless women, and we were just astounded. We had never considered Mm-hmm. giving pads and tampons. We'd given cereal, we'd given soup, we'd given mac and cheese, you know, like the things you give to a food bank, but we'd never thought about pads and tampons. And we just couldn't imagine not having what you need when you need it. Mm-hmm. You know, at that time of the month, it's already... It's already there's so much going on at that time of the month anyway, and then to not be able to take care of yourself is mm-hmm. um, really kind of demeaning. I think so. Mm-hmm. We decided that we were going to hit up a couple friends, we'd have a breakfast, raise some money, buy some cases off of Amazon, and be done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we put it on Facebook on a Sunday. On Tuesday of that same week, we had to change the venue because we had a hundred people who were interested in coming, not just the thirty that we had first thought of. And on Thursday of that week, we filed nonprofit paperwork because there were people from all over the world who wanted to give us money and we wanted to be as transparent as possible about what we were going to do with that. Wow. All over the world? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The lovely thing about social media, it just kind of went viral. And so we got some donations from Germany and a couple from England and a lot from all over the US. So
1: that's amazing. I think any woman in that position, you know, like, you don't really think about it when you're not, you don't have to struggle for that, those kinds of things. But when we think about homeless women and their time of the month, like I think every woman can clinch and be like, what would I do? So I think that that's such an amazing thing that you started and that you continue to spread the word on. And I'm really curious, like, what was it like growing up for you with the monthly visitor? Like, was
0: it taboo? Oh, I have um, a not very normal childhood. (laughs) Mm -hmm. My parents were hippies. I was born in a kind of commune in Colorado and um, both of my parents were doctor's kids and Mm. um, college educated. And so they were both biology majors when they went to college. So um, things were not taboo as far as physical, what goes on in your body. Very um, out in the open.
1: <laughs> so you weren't, you didn't experience like shame of like you know when you're growing up and that conversation comes and you have well, to start. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um, maybe I'm I'm sure there there's a little bit of that, and I think just because we grow up in society, you know, society isn't as open as um some people's families. So I think there was some of that. There was some, you know, well other people don't say, you know, I got my period or whatever. But I think because my family was very medically oriented, it was very clinical. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I will say one thing that we never talked about that I think nobody talks about really is the whole cycle of the menstrual cycle, not just the messy parts, you know, the media, the companies. That make pads and tampons, they focus on the messy parts because that's the part that they can control. Mm -hmm. But if people are more aware of what's going on in their body, they can adjust. If you know you're going to be cranky the week before your period, then you don't make any appointments that week, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you don't let it be a surprise that it's coming, you know. And I think the more we talk about how we deal with our periods and how we deal with the weeks in between the messy bits, and how we talk with other people and like teach our children how, what goes on with periods, I think the better we're all going to be.
1: I definitely agree with you. And I, I so can relate to those commercials. I was literally (laughs) just thinking about that before we, we clocked in today uh, about how now the commercial is so more glamorized now. It's like, it's like a fun time of the month. (laughs) Like everyone grab your pads and let's go get coffee kind of thing. So I'm excited that women are embracing being women and saying like hey like this is something i go through and it's not easy but it doesn't have to be messy either you know what i mean i'm here to help you so i'm also really curious you have a bachelor's degree in education and communication correct i do I that's do. amazing what were you doing before this whole
0: campaign and how does it help you now with your degree i was a high school english teacher i'm i'm an instigator and uh, so i helped start a charter school when i first got out of college and um that was back before charter schools were like they were just brand new things you know nobody mm-hmm. had ever heard of it before so it was very helpful the the charter school that i was in was very um kind of hippy dippy all our kids called us by our first names they didn't say you know like mrs so and so it was all liznie this and liznie that and um we were very interested in making sure the kids needs were met before we started talking about English class, you know, we made sure they had food. We made sure that they knew that we cared for them and that we were there for them. And um, I think looking at people in that way, you know, like not just, I'm here to teach English. I'm here to do this one little job, like being able to look at whoever I'm dealing with as a whole person, I think has been very helpful where I am now.
1: That's amazing. Have any of your students reached out to you since you've become this phenomenon? <laughs> Half
0: my friends on Facebook are my students, really.
1: <laughs>
0: my former students. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's cool. So what does it mean to end
0: period poverty? Tell me more about that. Well, period poverty is when people don't have the product they need when they need it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it, it's kind of dually stigmatized. So The period part is stigmatized because nobody wants to talk about periods or at least they're getting, it's getting better. But like Mm -hmm. when we started this, nobody wanted to talk about periods. Like I couldn't even say pads and tampons. When I was interviewed on TV, I had to say, you know, feminine protection products. Really? Yeah. It just makes my eyes roll because we don't need protection from anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) and people don't need protecting from our femininity. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But now pads and tampons, and I don't even blink when I say that, going back to what I was saying, period poverty is dual stigmatized. So people don't want to talk about periods and people don't want to talk about poverty. Our society doesn't like dirty people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we don't have any federal programs or state programs that help support those people who are are most vulnerable to become cleaner. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we first started, I thought, Women, infants, and children, wIC would cover pads and tampons because that just seems very appropriate for that mm-hmm. group, but they don't. There's no federal program that pays for cleaning supplies or soap or shampoo. And so I, I think our society sees poverty as something that could be catching and they don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about period poverty, there's this ew feeling twice. yeah, <laughs> and um. So I think the best way we can get rid of it is to just keep talking about periods and bring it up that this is an issue. You know, everyone who's listening has either had a period or they love somebody who's had a period. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And all of us who've had periods know that time. You kind of mentioned it earlier in our lives when we've had a surprise period and we haven't had the product that we need. Mm -hmm. And we have that sinking feeling in the pit of our stomach and we start thinking about what our options are you know like do i have something in my purse is there a machine in this public restroom does it work do i have change you know you go through all those things but for most of us we can go back home and clean up and grab the stuff under the sink and it's just another day mm-hmm. but for people who are experiencing homelessness who are experiencing poverty don't have that option you know maybe they only have mm-hmm. one pair of pants and they bleed through that pants then what are they going to do mm-hmm. um Or they try and use a product that's not meant for that. So they use a t-shirt or a sock and that could lead to infection. And if they can't afford period products, they probably can't afford insurance. And so that's another drag on our society as a whole. It's not just, you know, those people that live over there.
1: It really does stem around breaking that stigma and the taboo. Because I can even recall as a young college student, being so broke as we all a lot of us can relate to that and thinking like can i buy pads this month or food can i get my books or pads you know what i mean just it, because it was so expensive and then i'm i'm going to be honest being guilty of like stealing pads from the workplace bathroom or mm-hmm. like i don't know i don't know if any other women can <laughs> relate to me out there but like the struggle is real and so that's why when I look at your website, which is so beautifully crafted, and I please everyone go visit helpingwomen.org, like you you show the toilet paper, you show the newspaper, and you can imagine yourself looking around like, what can I use until I can like just make it through these last couple days?
0: Yeah, uh, and we, we work with a lot of colleges, um, like a lot of college food banks, in order to make sure that they get the product that they need. And a lot of high schools, really, I mean the problem in high school is there's girls here in the U S who don't go to school. Cause they have their period. It's not just third world countries. You know, we're, we're used to saying, Oh, Africa. Oh, China, you know, in mm-hmm. India, they don't have girls don't go to school and they're missing out on education. Girls are missing out right here. Yeah. And you know, it breaks my heart, even girls in kind of affluent areas mm-hmm. because there's not product easily accessible in schools, they're missing out on time. They only have five minutes between class, but the closest nurse's office is, you know, on the other side of the building and it'll take them 10 minutes to get there and go back. And um, it should be free. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It should be at least in high schools, it should be free and it should be available in all the bathrooms so that anyone who needs them can get it in a timely manner. So they're not missing out on school and they can take some home, so they're not missing out on work, exactly.
1: I remember in our earlier conversation, you talked about how the dispenser is thirty-five
0: cents now in the <laughs> bathrooms in high schools. At least in my daughter's high school, yeah. Which oh. that was just ridiculous because I can't tell you the last time I had change in my pocket. Mm-hmm. And thirty-five, like oh, maybe a quarter. Exactly.
1: So, you know. Who has a quarter and a dime just jingling around? That's what I was like. <laughs> Are they really trying to make it that much harder? Uh, for those cardboard applicators.
0: <laughs> and really a lot of the people who make these decisions are not women. So they're not used to thinking about that aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, they've never had to use the machine. They just put it up. Has there been any like parent teacher
1: committees or something to talk about that? Not in my daughter's
0: school yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've worked and put some um machines in some other schools in our area and in like the library couple library buildings and some other community centers that are machines that are free so you Mm -hmm. press the button and you get a product out and it waits 30 seconds before another product comes out so that somebody doesn't empty it all because a lot of the people who are in charge are like but they're going to use them all Mm -hmm. (laughs) like yeah that's kind of the point um (laughs) but you know, they don't want to have anybody messing around, messing around with pads and tampons all over the bathroom, I guess. But, Mm -hmm. um, so that's why we put those in there. And we also have little signs on those machines that say, you know, go see Mrs. So-and-so in room 12, if you need Mm -hmm. product to take home. And we make sure that that product is some retail packaging so that they're nicer products than the stuff in the dispenser. That's awesome. Going back to
1: helping women, period. Do you have any stories that you can share about women who reached out to you about how you've helped them or ones that wanted to carry on your mission across Michigan?
0: Oh, I get, I get emails daily from people all over the U.S. who want to do what we're doing. Like, I think it should be open source. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think everybody should be able to copy what we've done and do what we're doing in their area. It's amazing how receptive everyone is to mm-hmm. this issue. I mean, half of us have had periods and we, like we said earlier, they we know what it's like to not have what you need. As far as individual stories, I got a really sweet email from a girl in the middle of Kentucky. Like I went and looked it up on Google maps. There's no place near her to get free product. And she didn't, she was 13, so she couldn't even drive, but she's like, my parents are really struggling right now. So um I got a donor who was interested in sending some product to her. So we sent some product to her and, you know, that was, that was kind of cool. But her team, that's right? incredible. Well, you know, girls are starting eight and nine years old now because yeah. we have so much better nutrition, <laughs> mm-hmm. but still like that just makes me think too, you know, like you think about an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old having to deal with pads mm-hmm. in elementary school. There's not little trash cans in every bathroom in elementary school.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, also, I remember reading on your website was that EBT and SNAP and stuff doesn't cover pads. But I know that when I worked at Payless before they shut down, like you could buy shoes. Mm -hmm. So that really shocked me. How did you
0: feel about that? The same. You know, the people who created those programs back in, like, I don't even I'm ashamed to say I don't know when those programs were created, but they were around when I was a kid. So it's been Mm -hmm. a while. But, you know, there are people who don't deal with periods. And back then, when they first started that, nobody talked about their periods, So they wouldn't have realized that that was part of the issue. I think now we need getting more women into politics, I think is going to help tremendously because we need people making laws and figuring out how to supply these products in places where they're most needed so that we can take care of our, you know, the constituents and people can be productive members of society. You know, another thing
1: I love about what you do and why I can tell this is so important and why you're so passionate about it. I see that you support like so many other organizations that do what you do. And I think that's a true nonprofit that's like, (laughs) I don't care how you get the mission, as long as you know what we're doing and you get what you need. That's incredible. What are your favorite
0: collaborations so far? Oh, my gosh. There's so many. There's a couple that I work with on a regular basis. The Alliance for Period Supplies. Mm -hmm. They're part of the National Diaper Bank. And um, so they have 170 chapters all over the U.S., um, I'm one of them, but if you go to their website, allianceforperiodsupplies.org, they've got a map and you can see um, they have some diaper banks that are getting into doing period poverty or period supplies as well. And I've learned a lot from them. And another group that I've learned a lot from is the Menstrual Health Hub. It's mm-hmm. mhhub.org And they're a global concern interested in period poverty and menstrual equity. And they have this map that's a global map all over the world. And you can see where people are studying menstrual issues, or you can see where people wow. are doing what things that I'm doing. It's mm.
1: fascinating. <laughs> that's really interesting. I didn't, I'm going to have to check that out. It sounds really
0: interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, really my core thing, like what really makes me light up is connecting people and connecting people with information that they need and connecting people with other people who can help them. Mm -hmm. And um, this is, you know, helping women, period, is just one way of connecting with everyone, (laughs) everyone I can.
1: (laughs) And, you know, one of the biggest things that impressed me about you the most, not just your heart and your mission and everything, but earlier in November, you were able to get taxes removed from feminine products
0: in Michigan, right? I was part of the group, yes, yes. And well, it, was...
1: I'm going to say you were a big contributor. Your voice <laughs> and your work really helped push it forward.
0: What was that like for you? How does that feel? You know, it's a month later and I'm still kind of processing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's um something that I've been watching for at least the last seven years. And I know it's been coming up in our government here in Michigan for the last nine or 10. And um, it's just, an, it was just kind of unfair, you know, like you can't, not by pads and tampons. And so people were getting taxed. And when the federal government finally said that menstrual products were an essential medical device or medical items Mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning of COVID uh, in that CARES Act that came out in May 2020, then it really seemed like it was an unfair kind of tax. Michigan tax law says that essential items should not be taxed. Mm -hmm. So since the government said it was a central item and it was, you know, it was kind of illegal, but, um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so I was really glad we were finally able to get some bipartisan report or support and, um, just get it out of there.
1: (laughs) Do you have any plans to cross the border of your state and get this law passed in all other 49 states?
0: Actually, yes. I'm working with another group called period equity. Mm -hmm. There are um, some lawyers that are really interested in menstrual equity and they were part of the group that helped eliminate the tax here. And so um, we're looking at how we did it here and how we finally got bipartisan support Mm -hmm. and how we can try that in other states because Michigan is 23rd, I think, in eliminating the tax along with DC also eliminated the tax so Um, We're halfway there
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and um, we just really need to get it done
1: in every state. That is just so encouraging and amazing. And before we get into our rapid fire questions and close up, I just want to give you a chance just to shout out how people can connect with you and just see, do you have any events coming up, any drives that people
0: need to be aware of in case they want to give a drive to Michigan and help you out? I'm on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, helping women period or helping women one. And you can always go to my website, helpingwomenperiod.org. There's a contact info sheet at the end and just contact me and ask me whatever. I try really hard to um, make sure that there are volunteer opportunities for as many people as can be. One thing that people like to do is sew bags for us so we can give product out discreetly. Um, like just little drawstring bags. um, And that's really helpful. We've distributed 8,000 of those already this year. So um, it's something somebody can do at home if they have any even little sewing skills. That's awesome.
1: (laughs) Well, we're heading into our rapid fire questions. There are five questions, five seconds or less. Are you ready? Sure, bring it out. Awesome. One word to describe your 20s
0: into 30s. Unknown. I did not know what I was doing. <laughs> Which book should every young adult read? Oh my goodness. Um come on, teacher. <laughs> no, I was an English teacher. I'm like, no, not that one. Wait, maybe that one. Maybe. Oh, oh, oh. So I'll tell you the one I just read mm-hmm. is um Shonda Rhymes, The Year of Saying Yes. Ooh, great
1: book. What is one piece of valuable advice that you received from your mom, dad, or mentor?
0: Um, From my grandmother, who is also a starter of things. And um, she just told me to be aware, pay attention. What does success mean to you? Okay, I'm working on this. This is really a hard question. Um, <laughs> success to me means... I don't doing what I'm doing.
1: <laughs> and the final question that everyone waits for at the end of the podcast, what is the
0: current flavor of your struggle with womanhood? I would say it's like um Chex mix. It's a little spicy, a little sweet, a little nutty. It's very crunchy.
1: <laughs> oh, one of the best answers. I love that. That is amazing. Well, I hope you come back and if you're having any new things going on, um, or need to give a shout out to new events. And I just want to thank the listeners and I want to c- encourage them to embrace this problem, find solutions, take action for real this time. We can make it through womanhood. And I know you can too. Have a good day. Bye, struggle berries.